Hello, thank you for joining us once again. My name is Matt Phillips, and you're listening to Run Chat Live, episode 9. So, this episode brings to the table one of the most myth-ridden areas of running, um, and that is what we put on our feet. The shoes and orthotics and inserts and upsells which we put into our shoes based on the idea that they are going to stop us from getting injured or help us recover from current injury or basically improve our performance. Um, it's a fascinating area and one which in clinic I find helps a lot of runners get rid of the myths and concentrate on more evidence-based ways um, of avoiding injury or at least reducing the risk of injury. And as far as experts go in this field, I'm very pleased to say that we've got Mr. Ian Griffiths as a guest um, of Sports Podiatry Info Limited. Um, Ian is my go-to podiatrist when it comes to um, the relationship between uh, the foot and running-related injury. Um, and there's going to be some fantastic bombshells, basically, in this episode. So enjoy. Leave some comments, please. Let us know how it's going. And um, there's a few more guests, probably six more, before we catch up with um, the episode 15, which is happening this Sunday. Um, this Sunday being the 6th of January. So stick with us. Enjoy the next guests. And then eventually you'll catch us up for live. Take care. Enjoy. In the live Facebook stream, are you? I just pulled it up on my laptop just to see, and uh, our heads are much bigger than I uh, had anticipated. <laughs> really? <laughs> what, even in your case? <laughs> I, like I mean, a, a giant that. egg. I look like a giant egg. No, we are live. Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. Right. So, um, if you're watching live, then fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, check out the fancy software. Look at this. This is because last week, Rosie Sexton was. was shamedly pl planted in the corner of my screen is a tiny little flippant piece with my big ugly mug there so realizing that well the, the esteemed guest i have on today i thought i can't do that anymore we've got to give equal space definitely if not more i mean i think i can play this around and just make it ian which i might do later no, on don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> okay so um let me first just say thank you for everyone who's tuning in and watching this recording um the fact i've got some new software and spent a bit of money is a sign that i think it's worthwhile and happening um so um this week um as you can see on my my left or right i don't know on that side here you can see is mr ian griffiths who is basically some of you if you're a therapist well you should know about him and if you don't then come on now sort yourself out if you're a runner and you don't know Ian, then it's perfectly understandable. And one of the things that I want to change, and that's why I've got him on here today. Um, so let me shut up. And Ian, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, th yeah thanks, Matt. Um, massively uh, delighted to have been invited. I've been watching these every week. As you know, you've seen me come on and and, uh, and watch them. I normally watch them when I'm having breakfast with my kids. So, yeah, um, it's brilliant that you're doing them, I think great that these things are being done by by people and especially you we've been friends for a while now so we're familiar with each other's work and yeah as you know i'm a i'm a podiatrist um i am based in london uh in clinical practice and i'm in clinic three days a week and then i do a bit of research um the other couple of days a week and and you're quite right i don't really pro promote myself to to runners uh per se so um a lot of physios might know me because I try and crowbar my way into their world as much as I can. Um, but yeah, runners don't. So it's, 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 uh, yeah, really great to have the opportunity to, uh, to, 
to have a chat in front of your audience. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Magnificent. No, but thank you again for one of the things I love about your pod chat live is the first thing you do and I haven't done is is thank your guests for the fact that they're doing this for free and you're doing it on <laughs> Sunday morning. So thank you, Ian. For, yeah, I know I'm, because I'm we not getting paid. Before. This is all. <laughs> no, this is all. No, did you not read the end of the email? <laughs> oh, I might not have sent it yet. Let me just sort that out. Um, no, I mean you've got um, kids similar age to mine. The only difference is that they're in your house and you've got to go back to them, whereas I'm at work for the whole of the day till five o'clock in Studio 57 Clinic here and home, and I'm kid free. So it's I'm going to miss them, obviously, but you know. I know exactly what you're saying. Right, so a new question. It's new question time for guests. Um, and you inspired me being a podiatrist. Um, I would like, I'm going to ask you the same question as I'm going to ask everybody else um, on this um, Facebook Sunday Live. I would like you to name three ways or three concepts or three practices or three tools which you maybe were taught in your initial studies um, and that you don't use anymore or you've had to modify um, or you just simply now dismiss because you know they're not applicable. Three. Um, I think the first one's quite easy. Uh, and that is that we are taught to to measure a lot of things in podiatry down, down at foot and ankle level. And when I say measure, I mean, I mean, truly, truly quantify with numbers, the, the various sort of positions of things. So probably the first thing you learn at, at podiatry school is to bisect the calcaneus, draw a line down the middle of it in, with, with, a, with pen and then have someone sort of stand up and, and you get the protractor out of the pencil case and you look at, at where they are in the frontal plane um, and you do that sort of in their relaxed position and, and, and numerous other kind of measures, you know, that, that involve writing numbers down. And it became pretty clear pretty quickly that, that, that these numbers didn't have huge value. So they didn't really mean much we'd write them in our in our clinical notes and then and then they'd stay in our notes and they 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 weren't really actionable they didn't predict pathology they didn't correlate with pain they didn't really direct our management plans if we're being honest so it was pretty quick and simple to say what why are we doing this and and i think measuring things probably lunge test tibial angle notwithstanding i don't think there's much i i truly measure I was like, I don't look at things, but I don't, I don't quantify and write down in degrees or, or millimeters things anywhere near the way I, I used to. So that, that's probably the, the easy one to sort of say that's been dismissed, you know, fair, fairly quickly. Um, you wanted three, didn't you? Uh, you can, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm going to uh, say one thing just because, um, and I think this is really important for us all, especially where we're kind of trying to help runners understand. Um, it's not having to go at you, but like calcaneus, frontal plane. Explain yourself. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> this, this is me. This is me not really talking to runners. Uh, well, of course I do in clinic. But so yeah, the, we we used to draw a line down the back of the heel bone and, ah, and just right. look at, look at its angle, look where it was sitting. Um, you know, and try and quantify the the position that that someone was resting in. So, um, which you well knew, but you're right to call me on that. I'll try and dial back that language. Um, the the second thing I've dismissed, or at least very much changed my thinking on as, as time goes on, is um, the probably the promises I, I make or the, the, the way I set expectation with regard to foot orthoses, so inserts or orthotics as the, run, the runners may, may know them. Um, 
And that is that you're pretty much taught as an undergrad, or at least I was taught as an undergrad. And bear in mind, this was in 2000. So I'm, I'm sure things, I hope things have changed. I'm sure they have. Speaking to people in education, I think they have. But in 2000, I was taught that we were correcting deformity. We were looking at poor alignment and poor position and telling people we really need to get you into better positions. And as such, it was fairly intuitive that these devices would be a life sentence. So a bit like your, a bit like your spectacles, you're being given something external to sort of improve upon the function of, of part of your body. And the expectation when you're given your glasses is I'm probably always going to need these, you know, for, you know till the day I die. And, and, and that was very much how we used to set expectation or how I used to set expectation with orthoses. You've got these now. They're a device like your, your, like your spectacles. And this is you now for life. And, and I, I, I can say with with real honesty that that is that I couldn't be further from the way I practice right now. So that that practice has very much been dismissed, um, but by many, not just by me. But, but you know, as our thinking evolves, our practices evolve, as you well know. So they're the, probably the they're the easy two. Do I can I think of a third? No, that's fine. That's no. good because that leads me nicely onto the next question. That's brilliant. Um, I don't know. I, I recognise I'm biased because I only see injured people. You know, that's one of the things that us clinicians do. We, re- we we don't really see people running and going, hi, I'm fine. Nice to see you. I'm off now. You know, we just see people coming with a problem. But I don't know whether it's obviously adverbatim, but not so many. Pa- most patients who come to me and they've seen a podiatrist in their own words are talking about alignment. And straight away, they'll come in and say, oh, I've been told, well, the classic one is I'm an overpronator. You know, but basically, it sounds to me and it might just be the way they've translated it. But all they've had is, an, is, 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 is some kind of assessment over their alignment and this and that. I've got flat foot. I've got high arches. I've got low arches. I've bought these off the shelf. So is it just me or do you think the message is you say since 2000? But is the message getting out there? If they're believing this, then someone must be telling these things. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's, it, it's probably wrong to we're, we're, we're both guilty of this. Uh, we've spoken about this before and I've spoken about this to others. We we. We surround ourselves unintentionally with like-minded people. We gravitate towards the, the followers on Twitter and the, the, the friends in real life and, and, and our colleagues in clinic. We gravitate towards people that, that adopt similar practices, adopt similar philosophies. And I've definitely been called, on, called up on this recently where I sort of said, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I think, you know, practices and, and someone said to me, no, no, you just you surround yourself with people that are all talking a similar language. And when you get out there into the, the bigger world, you go to conferences and you hear conversations going on or you see presentations, you realise that, OK, maybe maybe my, my view of things is a bit is a bit clouded. Um, I think there's two things. Firstly, yes, there's huge variance across all, all pr- uh, professions. So you you will hear of other professionals saying things that perhaps you you wouldn't say or you don't agree with. But the other thing, of course, is, and I'm always wary of this, is to sort of be careful about believing what patients say to me. So someone, not that I'm saying that they're lying or being fraudulent, but, you know, there's really good data on how much we a patient or an athlete will actually remember from a, a, you know, they have an hour with me and I think they have similar, if not longer, with you. And we we assume that everything that we say they they lap up and you know they we they listen and they 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 synthesize and then they can walk out of that room and repeat it and the reality is in an hour they probably remember two or three snippets of information and even that they'll probably 
morph or, or sort of remember you know incorrectly so when someone comes into me and says so and so down the road said x or y um i always think firstly is that really what was said or is that kind of um that the way that that person has has remembered it so it's clearly not as as, as simple as, as we'd like it to be but that's why we need to do things like this to 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 get the information out there. The more people that we can just put information in front of, clinicians and, and athletes alike, you just hope that you just keep plugging away and you, you, you get where you need to go. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that's something therapists, I think that's a great kind of way of evolving is just getting, I do it standard practice pretty much now is before a client or patient or runner goes, it's okay, so what are you going to do? What have you picked up from this? You know, just getting them to repeat it back to you because it goes with exercise prescription. It goes with everything, especially if they're like a, if they've been hot potatoed around, which happens a lot. I mean, down here on the South coast, there's so many therapists now. Um, every runner who's well-known in the community is now doing a massage course and no disrespect to them, but it just means there's, if you don't get your fast results quickly, you can pop down the road to someone else or someone will tell you, oh, this person's great. or This person's got magic hands. I don't know what it's like in the world of podiatry. Maybe there's less because you, you've got to work hard and become a podiatrist. But with so many courses around where you can, where you can call yourself a sports therapist just by reading a book. There's no, it's not a protected title, but um, it's, I think with the case of hot potato people, it's kind of really important that they, that, that, that they repeat back to you what they've understood from you because they're already coming in nervous. There's already yellow flags that they're tired and fed up. So, yeah, yeah, it's really important. And I think they bring they they bring beliefs as well, don't they? Um, as we know, so you know, if someone believes rightly or wrongly that they are malaligned, and perhaps, like you say, they've they therapist hopped um, and had that sort of belief reinforced once or twice, then they come into to us. And and I mean, I've certainly it's not language I would ever use, um, but I've certainly heard a patient telling another telling a physiotherapy colleague of mine something i told them about their feet and it wasn't the language i used you know so uh, or I've, had, I've even had someone yeah. come back in to see me um and say something along the lines of so just to clarify last time you told me that i was overpronated now you know you know me long enough to know that isn't a word <laughs> i would ever use um so, oh my god i'd love to see that live their, their take home from our hour that we spent together was that the last time i saw them i, I said they were overpronated and and, 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 I, and i know i didn't so if they're misquoting me to me I think we have to be completely um, mindful that that when we hear quotes from other professionals, not not too quick to sort of say, well, he's out, he or she are are definitely out of date. They're not up with evidence based. They're, they're highly likely being misquoted. We hope. That's such a good point. I mean, that, that's there is no better. If someone actually said to you, "You said I was overpredating," <laughs> there's, no, there's no clear example. I mean, I remember once. I remember back in the early days, and this stays in my memory, is I remember giving a client just um, a lunge exercise. I love my lunges. I think they're great in so many respects. And um, and they came back with, like, initially, I can't remember what they're suffering from. They came back saying, I did the exercise. My knees are killing me now. And I'm like, really? It wasn't that much load I was giving you. And somehow they translated 20 lunges, forward lunges on the spot, into 20 minutes of lunging along the seafront in the rain with a high visibility <laughs> coat on. Yeah, I know. And that's and guess what? They come back to me with a with quite a lot of knee pain. And but I realised then they left. It's my fault. 
I can laugh at them, but if they walked out of here and they did either the wrong exercise or they didn't do their exercises, because there's a lot of this of non-compliance, I think, in our profession where we kind of think, you haven't done your exercises. Oh, you're not going to get better. How do you, why are you coming to waste my time if you're not going to do your exercises? But as I've evolved as a therapist, I realize now that if they're not doing their exercises, that's my fault. I obviously yeah. haven't explained the importance of it. They think that me rubbing them or doing this or is enough, that that's what's going to really count. So I don't think we can complain about that anymore. So brilliant points. Okay, that brings me on to another question I'd like for you is with regards to orthoses, um, I've noticed again that very few patients I see or runners I see actually seem to know what their the, the, the insole or the custom orthotic device they've been given actually does. And there doesn't often seem to be, well, I pretty much safely say there never seems to be any timeline of how long they're supposed to keep it in for. So I, I watched um, the other day, uh, I think it was with Simon Spooner. No, was it Simon Spooner? Yeah, it was yeah. Simon Spooner yeah. talking about dosing. And that was very close to my heart because I view inserts and orthotic devices and shoes and all these kind of extra things as a method of dosing, of changing load and then gradually weaning yourself off it. Are podiatrists taught to tell in general what the device they're being they're, they're selling their patient actually does or is it regarded as too complex or what's the deal? It, 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 it's a great question and um, one close to my heart, a topic that I, I'm pretty interested in at the moment and and to, to take it back a step when we whatever whenever you're talking about orthoses whether you're talking about how they work or if they work or are they appropriate or inappropriate um you know everyone that you speak to and i don't just mean clinicians podiatrists physios but everyone that you speak to non-clinical so the runners the athletes the the you know the the patients so to speak everyone has an opinion on these things um and, and some people's opinions will be purely just based on, on opinion or belief or something they've been told. Some people's will be something they read. Even clinicians can have sort of uh, ways they've interpreted the current evidence that we have. And I think it really, really, whatever we're going to talk about orthosis, we've got to go back to, to this basic and sort of say, like, we need to reframe what they are and what they aren't, because that's where the discussion always needs to start. So the old school way of considering them, a, a, you know, an arch support or, a, 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 you know, a crutch or a brace or, or some kind of realignment device really needs to be completely moved away from. Because if someone's got that that thought in their mind, whether they're a professional or, a, or a, you know, a recipient of these devices, then no good discussion can come from that because all the, the discussion that comes off the back of that foundation is going to is going to be poor. So I think. When we talk about dosing, what 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 we we and uh, Simon um, Simon Spooner, who who was on that that episode of Podchat Live, which is which is a re one of my favourites, he and I have talked about this a lot, and and we we like the analogy of getting people to reframe orthoses like drugs. And the interesting thing is when you think about drugs, and we're, we're not talking about recreational drugs here, we're talking about the drugs that the the, the GP would prescribe you. Um, we're talking about numerous different categories of drug um which people don't really understand you know you've got your your beta blockers your ace inhibitors you know all of the which, which people just don't understand and then within those we've got different drugs that can be given at different doses so it's, it's this like this big sort of huge sort of family tree of, of of drugs and no one really has an opinion on them because you either understand it or you don't and you're either in a position where you are able to prescribe them 
or you're not. And I've never heard a runner with hypertension, high blood pressure, go to the GP, be offered uh, an antihypertensive, a certain drug at a certain dose, and then go back to the running club and say to their, their running colleagues or friends, oh, yeah, I've been given this. And then their friends go, oh, you shouldn't take that. That doesn't work. Or, yeah, I, I, you know, I had a really bad... You know, because that's kind of what everyone does. They have their own opinions. You know, orthoses are good, they're bad. Whereas it really shouldn't be that that open for discussion. You know, it should be a case of I went to the GP, he prescribed me a drug. He's told me what it is, what it's for, and how long I need to take it for. I went to the, the podiatrist, physio, sports therapist, whoever, they prescribed me orthoses. They've told me what it's for what it's going to do and how long I need to wear it for. And, and it really should be that simple. And when we look at orthoses, you know, people saying they don't work. I read a study that says they don't work or, you know, this study says that they, they were no better than placebo. Then we need to say, well, what drug was it and at what dose? Um, because you would, if you were to take an antihypertensive and an, an, uh, an anti-high blood pressure tablet and you were to put it through the rigors of a study of diabetics and looking at its ability to change blood glucose, then it would fail. It would, it would be a terrible choice of drug for that condition. And you would conclude in, the, in that study, this drug was no good for this condition. And everyone would say, OK, great. What they wouldn't do is then say all drugs are no good for all conditions. And that's kind of what we're doing with orthoses research. We're looking at a paper saying in this study of Achilles tendon pain, orthoses were no better than, than not having orthoses. And then the extrapolation from that by some is orthoses are no good. And you're like, well, well you know, we need to be a little bit more scientific about this. And orthoses come in all different shapes, sizes, geometries, stiffnesses, uh, different, you know, the, the, you don't have one orthosis. It's not the way it works. You've got to think of them as different drugs with different doses. And, and as soon as you start thinking about them that way, you can start being a little bit more realistic about how we design these studies, how we interpret the conclusions. And even then, if you gave 100 people the same drug, you wouldn't expect 100 identical physiological responses because the next layer of complexity is that we're all individual as you well know and we all respond differently to various interventions so you could give a hundred people with a headache paracetamol and you wouldn't get a hundred positive outcomes you'd probably get 75 people say great everything went well you'd get 20 people say i've still got a headache now what do i do i need i need something stronger or you might get five people at the end there that have a horrible allergic reaction an adverse effect and with orthoses, it's it's no different. You need to say, okay, what's the pathology? What? How are we going to design the drug, i.e. the orthosis? We're going to deliver it. And even then, we're going to get subject-specific responses. People are going to have good outcomes, poor outcomes, or maybe adverse outcomes. And then we need to learn and progress and move on. So I think talking about these things as arch supports or skeleton realigners that work or don't work, this dichotomous, you need orthoses or you need to be barefoot. No one's getting any smarter if we keep keep the discussion there. We need to reframe this from its very beginning. And then I think we can all move forward and, and, and learn a bit more. I think that's brilliant. I like, yeah, that's a really interesting parallel with medicine and dosage and stuff. And I think the problem lies on so many levels. Like, um, I wonder how many non-podiatrists, when they pick up an orthotic device of some form and they look at them, and I'm sure they all do it when a runner comes in and they're doing a gait analysis and they'll have a look at them and go, oh, yes, these are very interesting. And I'm sure they haven't got a clue or they don't <laughs> recognise the little details, especially when they've been some podiatrist has, you know, spent a rather long time trying to 
make these differences in them. I think they just look at them and kind of go, oh, that's quite stiff on the midsole. That's what obviously that does and that does. So there's not only do runners need to be told about it. I think we've got a podiatrist here and I try and make sure. I mean, she's great because she does kind of workshops for the other therapists we've got working here. So we kind of we're we're never going to be podiatrists, but at least we can understand the difference between certain uh, ways which she modifies the insert for certain conditions and offloading tissues and stuff. So, no, that's great. Um, and then as for runners, I don't know, they just need to be told as well, it seems, by unless they are being told and they're not taking it home. But then even then, I would say that that's the podiatrist's job to set themselves a weekly goal of, right, my patients have got to understand why I'm giving them this, what it's for, how long it's for. Yeah, yeah, you've got to you've got to set expectation appropriately, obviously. And and going back to the drug analogy, to milk it even more, when when you're given drugs, sometimes you're giving them you're given a short course of antibiotics, and sometimes you're given a, a longer, medium term course, say of prednisolone steroids for a, you know some kind of respiratory problem. And other times, you may be on a drug for life, like low dose aspirin after a stroke, for example. So the person, the pathology, it's it's all that it, it's contextual as to whether something is short-term, medium-term, or long-term. And, and orthoses are exactly the same. We, we, we shouldn't expect them to be life sentences. Sometimes they will be short-term as part of a rehab, a, a bigger rehab strategy. Um, other times they might be medium-term. And there will be cases where they're long-term. I don't want to say they're never a life sentence, but like I say, the, it all needs to be discussed at that sort of initial discussion. And, and then you just need to get people buying into it. They need to, if they have opposing beliefs, it can be challenging, but they have to buy into it because when they leave, they will meet other people, runners at the club, even professionals that look at these devices, perhaps with a lesser understanding of what they are and what they're trying to achieve and say, what are you wearing those for? They're no good. And and, and that, that can be a challenge to the, the plan that you've put in, in place, which is strange to me because like I say, you'd you'd never have someone come away from the GPs with a prescription and a friend say to them, you shouldn't take that drug. People just know that that, that, that is yeah, an area yeah. where that, that just would not be appropriate. People wouldn't be willing to do it. But for some reason, this, this area is, is open to everyone um, to, to have an opinion on. And um, as, as the famous saying goes, science doesn't care about people's opinions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I, I presume that a lot of this comes from, the particularly unscientific prescription of shoes for so many years <clears throat> people kind of look at inserts and orthotic devices the same way as they look at shoes and um, people know from experience that the shoe they were sold hasn't helped so probably they doubt the use of the orthotic device as well thinking that it's been made along the same yeah, you know, the I, think, same yeah. I, th- I think that's reasonable and i think it, it isn't helped by the fact that we don't have all the answers and you know uncomfortable as as people think that is to admit it's completely a completely healthy thing to admit and hold your hands up and say, we don't currently know everything that we need to or want to know. And, and that's important to the only way you fill those gaps is by identifying them in the first place and then filling them with data. The problem we have, uh, so we talk about dosing of orthoses or prescription of shoes, which I'm sure we'll come on to. And, and um, let's not sit here and pretend that we always know the exact prescription for someone because we don't. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem we now have is that those gaps in, in, in understanding very quickly get filled with whatever story anyone wants. So if you were so inclined and you, you, know, you wanted to tell a yarn or promote a product, that's your little area where you can fill it with whatever fanciful tale you want. And, and like I say, these gaps in understanding should, should, should be filled with data, not, not someone's personal narrative. So, yeah, I don't want to sit here and pretend that we've got all the answers because, as you well know, that's that's not the case. And that doesn't help. That clouds the area as well. Um, you know, so people are probably more likely to 
question things when they, you know, because I'm always quite honest with people. If I'm sitting in, in my room with someone, I, I, I certainly don't sit there and pretend I've got all the answers. And so I will often say, this is what we know. And this is what we're trying to achieve. But the reality is um, this may go well, this may not. Um, and we're going to have to then sort of reverse engineer things depending on how you respond as an individual. And I think that little area of grey, that little uncertainty that, that I've been honest about, which I think is, is the right thing to be, um, means that then when they go to the running club and someone gets in their ear, the combination of an opposing opinion plus a little bit of uncertainty from the therapist is, 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 a, is a toxic one. Whereas if I sit in my room and I say with complete confidence, this is what you need, they'd probably be more likely to adhere to it and less likely to be influenced by other things. But that isn't ethical to me. I, I don't feel I can speak in those absolutes. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. That's another kind of classic way I think therapists who want to evolve can do is just being prepared to, to tell their patients or clients that we haven't got all the answers and that what we're doing here is a bit of a test because people react differently. It's like Craig, your your partner in crime, Craig Payne's kind of, I think he said once in a post it would go on his gravestone that different running shoes, or you could insert different orthoses affect different people and different tissues in different ways at different times. You know, it's all, you know, it's all a bit of a, a jigsaw to try and put it together. So um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, I think you mentioned at the beginning, like sometimes we think that all other therapists are on the same page as us because we kind of stick in our little groups. Our followers are people who already like what we're doing. We, I try and follow people on purpose. Actually, Talking to Craig is another interesting thing. I picked him up once foolishly because who would ever pick up Craig? Payne? <laughs> but, uh, idiot. But I remember once, you know, like in Facebook where you see people liking certain things. And I think it was like, I don't know, American Postology Group or something. And underneath it said, Craig Payne likes this. I was like, Jesus, does that mean I should like it as well? What's going on? How can Craig like this? That's crazy. So um, I actually kind of, I can't remember whether I put, I think I sent him a message or something. I think it was a private message saying, Craig, help me out here. What, why have you liked blah, 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 blah? And I was like, really kind of, this is going to be a revolution for me. And he just simply says, sometimes I like things just to bookmark them. And, and so I'm not only just following things which I agree with. You know, I need to follow things I don't agree with just to, you know, challenge my own biases and stuff. So um, that, was, that was a good point, I think. Um, I think yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm guilty of that. You don't agree with, you know, and but I think more and more therapists are doing that now. Like I'm a member of the Sacroiliac Joint Dysfunction Group on Facebook. I think a lot of people joined FitBabe and got banned because it was kind of like you want to hear what other people are saying because it's only then you know what a lot of our people we see are actually being fed and you know by the various forms and stuff. So I'm very cynical. I have because again i get people seeing me for example who come in with Achilles, Achilles tendinopathy and they've been told according to them that they've been told they need to stretch it or they're doing an over the here over over the step kind of uh heel lowering even though it's a um, an insertional kind of tendinopathy and i'm like why have you been told this how i don't get it okay maybe you weren't shown that by the therapist. Maybe they said stop before you go over the edge of the step, or maybe they said do it on the flat and you've just changed it and you're going over. But I'm fairly confident that there are quite a few therapists out there who are, are still going by what they were taught on the courses because I know what's taught on the courses and they're still being told to do their postural assessment. If someone comes in shoulder pain and they're like this, then that's the cause of their pain, regardless of all the people who come in like that with an Achilles problem and no shoulder pain or, you know, so. I do believe there's a lot of difference between 
therapists across the board out there, definitely with chiropractors, osteopaths. By the way, hi, Rosie. I'm so sorry that Ian's got front house seat and you've got a little square in the corner. <laughs> but obviously, you know that. I mean, take a look at him. If, if I had the choice to put you yeah. there, it's, you know, it's not personal. That's, that's, that's why I had Ian on this week, you know, <laughs> to make it clear. It's not a look thing. But anyway, yeah. Without bringing other professionals into disrespect, but generally, would you say across the board there's quite a difference between podiatrists, depending on whether they've evolved and stayed in touch with modern research? And if that is the case, is there any kind of thing which a patient, if they heard a podiatrist doing a certain thing or giving them a certain test or, or giving them a certain mechanism of action, is there something which could make the patient therefore think, oh, I'm not quite sure this guy's up to date? You know, nothing against them. Maybe they just haven't continued their CPD or just been led down. How, how can a runner know if a podiatrist hasn't really evolved with the times? That's my question. It, yeah, it's, it's a good question. And obviously, I want to answer it sensitively. Um, ultimately, there, there will be variants across, across all professions, as we know. And our profession isn't huge compared to... Um, physiotherapy or compared to you i don't know how many um we've got about eleven thousand people in the uk i think from, from from memory i'm not particularly up to the stats so it's, it's not a huge profession when you compare it to a lot of the other professions so you, you'd like to think that the smaller you were the the more sort of consistency there was um but it doesn't seem to be the case when you go to conferences and when you look on forums and you look at the way people approach things and um i think it's a challenge because we we do things, we're taught things, we do things, you know, people get into habits in clinic very easily. And if your runners, your patients are getting better, um, you know, as in you're getting good clinical outcomes, I, I, I can see how you would learn something, perform it in clinic, get good outcomes and, and think, well, why do I need to change? Why, why does the latest bit of evidence that comes across my desk make any difference to what I'm doing. It's not going to affect what I'm doing because I'm here to get people better and, and people are getting better. And as we know, there's, there's a complexity to that. But um, I, I listened to a really good podcast the other day about how, we, how the human brain works and how, how happy or unhappy we might be in changing our opinion on something when we hear data or, or uh, evidence to the contrary. And, and they suggested that the reason we don't just... It depends on how what that information is. So the the, the problem we have is if some. So the, the big flag for me would be if someone said, "Oh, is the, you know what do you think about the way this person's practicing?" If they're talking about orthoses correcting position, realigning the skeleton consistently and predictably, the goal of these things is to put you back into neutral or vertical or perpendicular, and that's what they're going to do that they're, they're promising to every person they see there'll be a consistent and predictable change and uh, for the positive in alignment i think it's fair to say that that's a pretty outdated approach to these things and a pretty outdated opinion so you you could argue that that person's not not subscribing to the latest evidence base um and that would be a bit of a warning but then at the same time you could put the evidence in front of some people and, and say, OK, look, this is this is you need to change this opinion. But the problem is the way we store this information, it, it's not like files on a computer whereby, you know, you could go into a computer, you could you'd see all the files saved individually and you could just highlight one and say, 
delete. I'm going to delete that. The problem is the way we store information in this computer is it's all intertwined and interlinked. So you can't just pull out one bit of information and delete it because what you have to do is change a whole process of thought. So it's a, as you know, it's a huge challenge to, to suddenly say, because you can't just say these, these orthoses don't align skeletons anymore. You can't just delete that information and carry on with everything else in practice the way you have been, because that bit of information is fundamental to the entire sort of approach. So what you have to do is is go back and start the entire approach again. And, and it just seems that some people are less willing or, or keen to do that. So um, I don't know that I've answered the question. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm being so careful to not offend anyone because I know that this is this is a, a, a question that could easily do that uh, unintentionally. But um, for me, if people are talking about realigning skeletons and, and consistently promising too much from orthoses in that regard, that for me would be a, a flag. That's fine. That's great. I think you did that very tactfully and very sensitively. <laughs> um, and so uh, runners out there, if your podiatrist does say that, then please refer them to Mr. Ian Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think it's important that we talk about it. I mean, sometimes when I put kind of, I try not to be a Meekins. Is that an expression now? I think it is. I try not to be a Meekins, despite the fantastic information he puts out there. And to make changes, you need the suffragettes at the top throwing themselves in front of horses and stuff. And and it, the stuff he does is great, but um, it fits his personality. So, but I do like now and again sticking something up and just putting a twaddle label across it, if only to try and get people to defend it or something. But now and again, I get people on Instagram the other day kind of saying, oh, you should I put a gate analysis thing up. I don't think I don't know whether you saw it. I did. It was <laughs> rounds now. It's like a sponsored ad and Adidas experts. And um, we're going to look at you running and see what's causing in to lower risk of injury. And and the girls there and she's saying, you know, it's normal to pronate. I thought, oh, that's nice. That's that's good. But it's a question of whether you're going too far. And I thought, oh, we've got back here. But some people are like you have to name and shame these people. It's the only way we're going to progress. But like you say. You know, when some of these concepts, if you challenge somebody, it takes away most of their business. It's like yeah. kind of, you know, it's it's and, and the initial anger reaction will be kind of F you. I'm not interested in this, you know, so it has to be. But I think it is possible because clinicians are coming around. Um, I think, I think we have that, uh, that psychological phenomena where they refer to as the backfire effect, which is actually if you if someone has an incredibly strong belief, the way you approach changing that belief is, and if you're very, very boom, this is BS or, you know, you're very, very um, aggressive about it. More, more often than not, their belief will strengthen. They won't suddenly change their position and adopt your position. The way you, the way you challenge someone's belief has a strong ability to reinforce that belief within that person. That's a fairly well-known kind of thing about the human brain. So I think, I, I'm the same. I went through phases of really calling stuff out every time I saw it and really c correcting people in clinic as well. And I think I, I saw the Adidas thing you're talking about. And whereas as you watch it and you sort of think, OK, this is um, this is very outdated. And you, why can't everyone see how outdated it is? The reality is everyone can't because they haven't spent the years um, sort of over over analysing this stuff, you know, that we have. But also fear of contradicting myself i can see the attraction of it because it is a beautifully clean and crisp and simple it doesn't make it right of course but clean crisp and simple approach and beautifully marketable approach 
that actually completely undermines the complexity of the human foot and the complexity of pain two things that that you know we, we both see people with people runners with painful feet well it doesn't get more complex than pain it doesn't get more complex anatomically than the human foot so why on earth would we feel that there's simple crisp answers to this and that's what but that's what people want they want to know what's normal what's abnormal what shoe should i buy what 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 are the dichotomous good and bad things that we can pull out from a gait analysis? And and you and I know that the the truth to all those answers, uh, the, sorry, the truth the truthful answers to all those questions, are hugely uncertain and non absolute. And we also know that that isn't what people want to hear. It's not very marketable. People leave feeling like they've been given no. You, know, you and I are happy embracing uncertainty. So if someone if I ask a question, and someone says we don't know the answer to that yet. That is an answer to me. I walk away from that interaction saying, OK, I've learned something there. I've learned that we don't know. A runner will leave an interaction. A runner wants to know, am I pronating too much? Is, is this going to cause injury? And if you kind of go through the whole, if they leave and the answer is we don't know, you know, it's not that simple. They, feel, they don't leave saying, right, I've learned something. Here. They leave feeling like they've learned nothing. Um, so I can see why that stuff persists. And the trouble is it's big and it's shiny and it's got an Adidas logo on it. So you and I are sitting on a, a Facebook live on a, on a, a Sunday morning. We're not going to put a dent. We're not going to put a dent in that. Um, and, and we know that, but that's why we need hundreds of us doing similar things like this across all mediums, Adam Meekins and, you know, and all of our other sort of like-minded colleagues as well. We, we need that approach. And like I say, I mean, everyone's got a slightly different approach. Uh, we know Adam well. I like Adam. He's he's a very personable chap, but, uh, you know, not everyone know, knows him or has had the opportunity to meet him. So if they judge him on his social media approach, they were like, this guy's super aggressive. Um, there will be some people that Adam will, will absolutely, that approach, not just Adam, but that kind of approach will, will really jump people into action and say, right, I need to, there'll be other people. It will re it will, uh, you know, sort of initiate their writing, uh, initiate their backfire effect. And it will probably make them, dig their heels in and double down on their own opinions. So um, this is what makes it all so fascinating, I think. Definitely. It's, it always makes me very happy when I see, I don't know, have you, I know, for example, um, you know, um, Roger Carey? Yes. yes. Nottingham, yeah. I mean, I think he's had a couple of pieces now. He's managed to make it into, I think it was the Independent or one of the national newspapers. And he was coming out with the great, just simple information saying, you know, these expensive running shoes and the technology they offer, it's not actually, there's no evidence to it. And and it's lovely when people like that do actually manage to make mainstream newspapers. We had, um, there was the back pain by Mary O'Keefe. And I think, I think what's his name? Um, Derek Griffin maybe was involved as well in the Independent as well. I guess mm-hmm. that's what we need because, I mean, I know for my dad, you know, anything goes in newspapers, gospel. Even though it changes every week, salt, sugar, coffee, diet, coke. But I think that's, for love it or hate it, the power of the media. But it seems to be very rare that the only physios who seem to make it into the columns of the newspapers are still talking about kind of, you know, things which we kind of think are a bit questionable now. There seems to be a reluctancy. For example, you, why haven't you, have you ever been published in a national newspaper? Have you um, I, I have. Um in the early days, um, I did quite a few newspaper snippets and uh, magazines as well. Um, one big one that I, that I won't mention by name, but uh, I, I pulled out of it fairly 
that that side of things fairly quickly because what I found was kind of ties back to what I've just said is um so the magazine being the the running magazine uh, being a classic example uh, they asked me to write uh, something about you know running and running shoes and injury so I, I I wrote what I thought was a lovely little concise piece on what we know and what we don't know and how it's not black and white. It's all shades of grey. It's person specific. Um, you know, you, you you just can't simply choose a shoe based on what your wet footprint looks like. Blah 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 blah. Um, mm. And and I sent it in, and I was fairly new and naive to the processes. I assumed they'd they'd send me back a print copy, and I'd get to check it. The next thing I knew, it was in it was in the magazine, and the, and the first thing I knew was getting a text from a colleague going. Uh, this is an interesting article from you in, in so-and-so magazine. And I was like, what? And he was like, have you seen this? And I, I went to WH Smith's and um, other news agents are available. I opened it up and, and had a look. And and they put words, They you, again, it's this word that follows me around. They basically said, that there was actually one sentence, I've got it somewhere in my study, that said, um, Griffiths said that if you're an overpronator, and I was just like, what? And And, and you you would... You would not believe the amount of texts I got from friends and colleagues uh, going, what's going on? Have you completely sold out here? And the reality is they, at editor level, didn't mm-hmm. like the way it read, didn't like yeah. how uncertain it was. They changed it, uh, but they uh, assigned my name to it. And yeah. so I, I, had, I, I've got, I had several emails back and forth with the, with the editor. I was pretty furious and, and sort of saying, look, you, you are in a, a hugely privileged position here that you have a voice. Um, you know, people believe what you write um, and you have the you know, huge subscription across, across the UK, across the world, really. And um, I, th- I don't believe you're taking this responsibility seriously enough. I could, I could take a copy of your magazine from 1989. I could put it on the coffee table in my clinic waiting room leave it there for three weeks so that everyone that's sitting there, you know, scrolls through, I guarantee no one would know the difference. No one would know it's, it's, it's a 30 year old, a 20, 25 year old episode. You have not progressed and evolved. Everything else has, you are, you are being essentially negligent in your, in your position of responsibility. And until you change, I'll never write for you again. And I don't think he considered that a huge loss. (laughs) You go, all right, then, thanks. No, you were like, hello? And yeah. So there. I've been, uh, so yeah, I've, I've never even been asked to write for them again. And I don't know whether that's why. It's probably a different editor now, right? Um, but, but that was my, my early, that was my early experience with, with magazines um, and, and, and newspapers, uh, not, not quite so bad, but I had similar scenarios where I'd get an email or a phone call. Hi, I'm a journalist from so-and-so, you know, from so-and-so. And as a, as a young practitioner, you're kind of excited to get those emails. Like, oh, like, firstly, this is cool that they, they've sort of asked me. But secondly, I've got an opportunity here to not just improve understanding, but promote my, my profession, which I'm, I'm very passionate about, a profession that, that is misunderstood and, and perhaps not in the public eye as much as, as we'd like. Uh, but in, I, I sort of had so many different experiences, magazines and, and mm. newspapers, like with, with journalists, that I sort of developed a sort of um, a bit of a dislike for them in the way that they they wanted the sizzle, they wanted that 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 headline, and I just could not give it to them. So it's they, what they were doing was modifying what I'd said. I then was looking at things with my name attached to them that I wasn't proud of, I was embarrassed of. So I was like, you know what? There are plenty of people out there that can give you the nonsense you so clearly desire. So I back, I have completely backed away from all of that. Um, 
and that, but that was that yeah. was many many years ago. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I, so now I just focus on on. Um, I think that's this was before blogs came around. This was probably back in two thousand and six, two thousand seven. Blogs, to my knowledge, weren't as big then as they are now. So, I think the great thing about a blog, obviously, it has pros and cons, but is you can you can write something completely, you know, honest to your beliefs or your your understanding or interpretation of of an area of, of literature, and you can hit publish and it's there no one's modified it and people can disagree with it or agree with it but you can sort of be proud of that piece of work because it, it's what you believe at that time um so yeah i moved away from the, the mainstream media um which you could argue now isn't helpful is it because like your, your point is absolutely right if we're not in the mainstream media we don't have a voice people aren't searching out our blogs uh, they are opening up the daily mail or the independent or the times um it's probably something I need to think about revisiting at some point, but I agree. Yeah, I think we need you back. And I, I mean, from personal experience, I think maybe because I'm older and, and more prepared now to say no, that's not going out. Or like, I think it was Slimmer's World contacted me a while ago, and they wanted. I we saw your article on stretching and stuff and warm ups for runners. We want an article on the five best stretches for for our people doing couch to five k. So I kind of went, oh, thanks very much, blah, blah, blah. I said, I can't really give you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it called the five best stretches because I don't really like using the word stretch. I mean, I can give you kind of like, and she was like, oh, I'll have to talk to my editor. I thought, well, they're not going to come back then. They just want like hamstring stretch, a quad stretch, and like stretch. She came back and said, well, can you give me a little idea of what you'd be talking about then? So I just kind of said, well, look, here's some diagrams, here's some images, dynamic, a bit of just mentioning the research and the evidence. And to my surprise, they actually came back and said, no, that sounds really cool. We'll go with it. And I was like, oh, my God, geez, I'm going to have to put something together. And awesome. that went out. So I think maybe it has changed. I mean, I write for a monthly for a magazine and pre they started off initially changing the title I gave it and and um, kind of modifying. Or I mean, they always send me a proof now and, and they know me now that if I write it, it's because I don't really want much change. Mm -hmm. um, and I know how many words they want and stuff. So I think things have got a bit better now um or for who i write for anyway so no you should get back on it because i think it's people like you who have been screaming from the rooftops for so long now <laughs> you know it's like when was it i think didn't you go to asics once and kind of have a chat with them and that was equally as kind of a oh, door just closed or was that a long time ago yeah it's, it's always it's always fascinated me how um i always thought when you moved into private practice in a city like london that you would be able to get really good relationships with running shoe stores because we are making, and we, we haven't touched on this yet. And I don't know if you plan to, but when we're recommending running shoes, which is a whole topic in itself, we are often uh, making recommendations in clinic with a context uh, because like you, we, we see injured people. And um, so we are often saying, this is what I think you need right now uh, at this time in the context of this particular issue. Um, go to a running store and you soon realize that you know if I have some sort of relationship with a store here I'm probably sending them you know if the average pair of shoes now is a hundred pounds I'm, I'm I've got a thousand pounds worth of business minimum you know ten ten a month would be would be a, a slow month but I've got a thousand pounds worth of business a month I'm, I've, I need to send to someone so I remember going to a, a big a big chain in London um, many many years ago and sort of saying look here's the deal I'm not really after much from you. I don't want my cards on your desk. You don't need to recommend. You know, I don't, I'm not looking for referrals. What I'm looking for is a store that I can give, send people to 
with with a sort of uh you know some kind of plan in place what what i want and i really just want you to say okay so here's so and so they've here, they, they bring in my business card oh it's come for me and therefore let's just you know whether we agree or disagree he's got a plan this is his patient let's give this person what they want and just all i'm saying is like don't undermine what i'm saying I'm sending someone in with a, with a plan of mine, just sell them the shoe, take the money, take the thousand pounds a month of all these people I'm sending you. Um, and, and, and that's surely a relationship. I thought they would, they would shake my hand off that. And, um, just didn't seem to work out that way. You'd send people to a running store and say, right, I, I want you to get a stability shoe with a wide toe box for, for, for whatever reason. There was a context though. And they'd go into the store and they'd see one of the people and then they'd, Honestly, I had emails from people coming, you know, saying I'm a bit confused because you told me I needed a stability shoe, and when I went to so and so, they told me I needed a neutral, and I'm like, so what sort? Of, you know, I've just spent an hour with you in the context of your injury. I've talked through your MRI with you. Uh, I've, I've, you know, performed a full sort of medical exam. I've recommended something on the basis of that, and three minutes of doing a single leg squat in in the store, the person's who's the Saturday boy has, has completely undermined me. And, and in the patient's mind now, they're confused. They, they don't know who to believe, which is kind of um, insulting at the best of times. So I think I just wanted a store that would say, don't, don't take their shoes off. Don't single leg squat them. Don't even get them on your treadmill. I've done what I need to do. And, and, and this is what I'm after. And I found that relationship. I have that relationship with a store now. I must admit, mm. um, uh, as an independent store in London and I know the manager very well and I'll, I'll not often write his name on the card and I'll say to them go in ask for him by name and he's brilliant he gets it um, but it took me many many years to to find a, a store that that were willing to work together and surely the goal here is not about it's not about me or them it's a, there's a runner here there's an athlete here who has a goal, five, might be a 5K, might be a marathon, but they have a goal and we're, we're both trying to get them to that goal. Like, what, why aren't we working as a team? And that, that took way longer than I expected. Mm. That's great. It's, it's um, like I say, I've been doing it for so long now and, and, and you're definitely one of the giants whose shoulders I openly admit I stand on because I was brought up. I learned for pronation, for example, is your big thing, the whole overpronation. I think anybody who slags off overpronation must at some point have read a post by you or a video by you back in the early days, you know, somewhere along the line, they should credit you for it because you were just out there shouting about it. But, um, and I learned from, from strength and conditioning with an ASM kind of, they referred to pronation as, I mean, in their credit, it wasn't just about the arch of the foot. It was all about the deceleration, acceleration. They were very ahead of their time in like 2000 about, recognizing the eccentric nature of muscles it was all pretty good stuff it's all kind of pull check and that sort of related stuff so i was lucky in the sense that when you challenged over pronation now and again it still comes up because somebody adds a comment to it. i think it was a runner's connect piece um where you were kind of challenging the word pronation. i was like but there is kind of a an action called pronation of these elevation and the various relationship between the ankle and the tibia and stuff so surely you can do too much and you kind of explained it in a really sensible way and kind of stuck in Matt I think you'll realize we're both on the same page and blah 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 and that was enough for me to actually think actually I'm going to get rid of this idea I've just got to evolve and change it tweak it mm. so you definitely got the knack of, of I know from personal experience of, of of helping therapists evolve so so um so yeah so write something contact I don't know the times or something if if Kerry can get in there you should be able to we need a southern representative we need someone <laughs> <down to. laughs> I think there's enough 
I think Lincoln's has probably tried and failed in that department. Um, but um, but you could do. You're presentable. Look at you. So um, anyway, look, I want to. I need to start rounding things up. I'm I'm really happy with the stuff you've given because I think it will apply to therapists and also to runners who are listening. Um, as in what to have a little bit more knowledge about what to um, expect from an evidence-based and modern uh, podiatrist as opposed to old school. Um, I'd like also, though, because I still believe therapists are the ones who are going to be talking to runners. If we can change 10 therapists and they see 100 patients a week or something, then great. They can tell them that's a 1,000. So I think we'll finish up maybe um, giving you a chance to talk about PodChat Live and – and how that has started and what you're hoping to achieve with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think your point is brilliant. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I've always targeted other professionals with regard to the way when I write blogs or do podcasts, I've always, I've always assumed the audience will be other professionals. Cause I just feel like you, you can have much more of a trickle down effect if you change professionals minds, because they're the ones that are seeing people. So, you know, you, I think that's a great point. And, and that was kind of the goal with, with anything we've done. And PodChat Live is, um, for those who, who've not heard of it, and I'm sure that's almost everyone, because um, it's outside of the world of podiatry. Even the world of podiatry hasn't heard of it, it to the extent we would like yet. But Craig Payne, who is a, is a podiatrist a colleague and, and friend of mine based in Melbourne, he, um, he was over here um just around this time last year november to, uh, october november time last year, he was over in the uk for a conference and usually when he comes over he comes to my house and we have some dinner um and we were we've both been users of the internet and, and social media for some time and facebook live um a few people had started doing them and we kind of saw the value in them all terrifying as they clearly you know are as you know um going live on anything i think you lose you feel that that nervousness about not being able to edit it to look slick and then put it out later. Um, but we, we, we were conscious that Facebook live had potential to reach people. Um, so we just decided in my kitchen just to, just to pop my phone on a, on a, on a tripod and just have a chat. Um, and we assumed there'd be no one watching and, uh, Craig is, is very well known in the world of podiatry, um, far, far superior to I in that regard for obvious reasons. And, we just had a, a, a much bigger audience than we expected. I think we had about 30 people watching, which was just huge for us. And, and, and it was the comments thereafter where people said, that was amazing, that was amazing. And all it was was me and him sitting in the island in my kitchen. You could see the tap of my, my sink in front of us. It wasn't, there was very low production value. Um, and we were just having a chat about things. And um, then I started kind of thinking there might be some mileage in this. There might be some, some kind of chat show here whereby I don't know if you've seen comedians in cars getting coffee on Netflix oh, right. yeah, yeah. with yeah, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. I think it's just a great, great show where he, he pulls in a, com- a comedian every week and they just go and get a coffee and they just chat. And, and I just find that really and what he's doing is pulling in a load of favors clearly from comedians he, he's known over the years his friends so we were like we could we, maybe we could do a podiatry version of this and it it was it completely evolved from that one episode and then we decided okay well I think, so, uh, a mutual friend of ours messaged us in the week uh talking i'd written a blog about 2d analysis versus 3d analysis um and i it was sort of a, a bit of a semi-controversial one um and 
this guy sort of emailed us and he's very, very well known in the world of 3D analysis. He's got a great lab down in Adelaide. And he sort of emailed me and said a few comments. And I was like, well, why don't you come on and we talk about it? So he was one of the, then the next week, you know, Craig was back in Australia, but as you know, technology doesn't prohibit these things now. So Craig was in Melbourne. I was in Hertfordshire and the, our guest was in Adelaide and all three of us dialed in and did something similar to this and just talked it out. It was the sort of chat that you'd normally have with friends in, or colleagues in the coffee room or over, you know, in the hallway, those hallway conversations about patients or papers that you've read. Um, and we just thought, well, well, let's have a little Skype type call about this, but let's let other people watch. And it just grew in popularity. And we sort of foolishly decided, set, set ourselves a little quiet goal of doing one a week, every week for a whole calendar year. Uh, try and make it the same night at the same time so it's got a bit of consistency so that a bit like The Apprentice, which my wife and I will never miss an episode of, um, we want people to know, okay, Thursday night at 8pm in the UK, Podchat Live will be on. And every week we bring, bring on a different guest from a different area of expertise, often an expert or someone well-published in that area, and we have a, we just talk, talk things out and we allow people to watch, but also we allow people to engage, to, to ask questions, real-time guiding the conversation. So we, we pull up a, a world expert like Kevin Kirby in the world of podiatry, and we've got new grads sitting in their pants at home with the ability, with the tap of a few keys, to ask Kevin Kirby a question that he can then answer. And we, we, we thought it would be a winner. Um, the numbers are, are pretty good, and we are now... Next week is episode 49. So we've been going 49 weeks on the bounce every week. Um, and we've got our own Facebook page, Podchat Live. I hope you don't mind me plugging if that's all right. Okay, um, yeah, you just, you just type in Podchat Live and it's there. We've got a website, podchatlive.com. While we're doing these things, we record them. And we put them all on YouTube. So we've got a YouTube channel. We then use that YouTube code and they're all on our website, Um because we were we were sort of advised early on, I'm sure you have been as well, to not just leave all of this potential gold. I'm not saying this episode has been gold, but I know Rosie's was last week, and I'm sure next next week's will be. Oh, but if smooth. you if you've got potential gold here, you don't just want it on Facebook, um, because actually, in the 49 weeks, two of our videos have just been deleted completely inexplicably by Facebook. Um, and we don't know why. So if that was the only place they were, we'd have lost them. Luckily, we've got mm. them on YouTube. We've got them on our on our, our website. So they're archived. So people can go back and watch them at any time they want. We've now converted it to a podcast. So again, no extra work. We do the video and then we, we just send the audio to iTunes and send the video to YouTube. So people have got, people consume information differently, don't they? Um, so we're just giving people the option to consume this information on whatever medium or whatever vehicle they like. And like I say, I, it started off being a podiatry chat for podiatrists, but it's 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 more than that now. We hope um, we've had non-podiatrists on the show. We've had loads of physios on the show. We've had Adam Meekins. His episode was very popular. We've had uh, some physios that I really love and respect: Tom Goob, Neil Me, uh, you know Hamish the physio. You know all the names, I'm sure. Um, we've had uh, we've had surgeons on we've had uh, consultants physios yeah we like to now think that we're branching away from just podiatry and then into a more multidisciplinary sort of audience because our our practices are multidisciplinary so yeah we've got talks there that might not have 
not everyone wants to hear about diabetes or about dermatology, but that's all there too. Um, but there's lots of sports-related ones. Uh, we had a brilliant one by Izzy Moore, the Be- who's just an amazing biomechanist in Cardiff. Uh, she did one on running economy. We've had, um, yeah, we've been we've been calling in favors to a certain extent, people we knew or people we've already connected with on social media. But now we've got to a position where once you've got 47 of them, you can start approaching people that you don't know and saying, look, this is this is us, and we've got it. So yeah. yeah. A little spoiler for your audience in the next couple of months I'd, we've got semi sort of uh, uh, agreements from Tim Gabbett to do one on load management and from Rod Whiteley from Aspatar to do one who I'm sure people will be familiar with he's written loads of stuff in the BJSM so we're, we're excited about where it's going to go I'll be honest I don't think we can sustain one a week um, one a week for much longer we're probably going to go to one a month um, because uh I know you're doing one of these a week because you're probably still kind of, uh, what is this, week number eight or nine. Um, once we get to 47, you start getting quite tired because <laughs> people don't realise the prep that goes into it from your end. Uh, is it, being a guest is easy. This is great. Um, but actually being the host, there's, there's, there's more prep in hosting these things, I think, than people appreciate. And um, that's starting to take its toll on us. So I think we'll probably have a – we're going to get to week 52, which is the last Thursday in November. And then we've done 52 weeks back to back, which was always our goal. We're going to take December off and then we're going to come back in 2019 with probably a once a month pod chat live. But, yeah, we'd love we'd love non podiatrists and, and, you know, it's probably aimed at clinicians. But I'd like to think that runners could get something out of certain episodes. You know, we, we talk about orthoses, running shoes and, uh, you know, biomechanics, gait analysis, things that if runners really do want to talk this language, don't get it from the guy at the club. Uh, don't believe him just because he's got a 235 marathon, which is amazing, by the way, but that doesn't mean he knows everything about the things we've spent decades learning. You know, we hope to serve this up in a way that, that there's something for everyone. Plug over. I apologise. I ranted. No, no, that's... Um... <clears throat> listen i've got you on here because i want people to watch it you know there's no other um motive apart from people to expose you to people who might not know about you um definitely clinicians i mean there's all these cpd courses out there and it's all in my world it all tends to be something else magical you can do with your hands but and you need to show cpd to be part of a, um, a organization or something but the best cpd out there these days i'm sure is in the form of podcasts in for example your information the stuff you can get out for an hour with one of yours is far better than so many of the courses out there you're paying two or three grand for so i definitely encourage um therapists if you really want to evolve and you really want to gently because that's the important thing as well just gently change and just give yourself a little dosage of oh maybe i'll think about that or maybe i'll start looking out for that in future with my people and you know um then definitely um you're one of the go-to places to do that. So I thank you for putting them out there and yourself and Craig and the guests who have come along on it. Yeah. Um, right, we've run out of time, 10.36. And as for me, I work on Sunday, so I'm here till five o'clock. And I I figured that seeing seven people back to back is enough. So I've, I've spaced myself out between nine and 11. And that way I only get to see kind of six people or five people. So I'm happy to be here. And it's a lovely way to start the day. I'm generally genuinely excited um, to listen to you i could do this without anyone else watching <laughs> but also you know it's great it's my own little podcast but also give other people a chance to watch this and benefit from your huge experience so ian griffiths i thank you once again 
Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Your Sunday. Um, I will. This recording will go out, and it will also go on YouTube, like you said, um, and on my website as well. Um, so yeah, thank you, Ian. And Pleasure. I look forward to uh, hearing about those surprise guests or not so surprise guests coming up <laughs> in the future. Okay, mate. Thanks, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again. You too. You too. Right, we're out. I've got people. Thanks so much for watching. If you're watching this recording, then please do feel free to share it. Honestly, we do this not to drum ourselves up more business or become famous. It's just because we're passionate about putting information out there. Um, so do please share this with your friends on your various social media. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you, I think I'm on next week. Tune into my Facebook to see who's on, if I'm on. I think I am. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Again, thank you, Ian. Bye-bye. You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.